Let's have about a quart of that. Hmm. Well, it doesn't exactly come as whiskey, ma'am. However, we do have a large size bottle. Just drop the damn bottle. Hello, Rufus. I hear you got real smart since we saw you last. Funny I didn't hear the same thing about you. That's a good old time we had back at your place, wasn't it? <laughs> Depends on which side of the good old time you were on. Reason I didn't recognize you right off. I didn't know you with your clothes on. <laughs> you know, Emmett and me's real sore about what you did to Frank. He was our brother, you know. And brothers don't grow on no goddamn trees, so I'll tell you what we're gonna do now. You and me and Emmett gonna have a little party for old time's sake. And then we're going to separate your head from the rest of you. Come on, sugar. Move your ass. I said move your... listening to they must be destroyed on site the following podcast contains adult language adult situations and spoilers for the movies discussed occur often you've been warned now take it away dr roush they must be destroyed on site Welcome back. It is They Must Be Destroyed on Site, episode 282. And I'm your host, Lee. Big town, big belly, Billy Club, swinging Russell. And <laughs> and I am joined by my co-host, Daniel. Got about as much on underneath that blanket as my horse, Harper. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well, and I do have about as much on underneath that uh, blanket as a horse. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. True. Accurate. <laughs> We're all going commando tonight. It's it's good. Yeah. You know. So it goes. Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, this show is going. You know, and it's been a while since we put out an actual official episode. It, um, it's been a couple of weeks at the very least. But this is something that uh, Daniel suggested. Is like, oh hey, Raquel Welch just passed away uh, like a month ago or so at mm-hmm. this point, and. Hey, let's do a little tribute show on her. We 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 have covered her before in, in the Queens, but uh, yeah, let's let's uh, check out a couple of films of hers. And so we threw around. Oh, let's do a couple of her westerns. So they'll be fun, yep. and and that actually kind of pairs up well with the last episode that we actually did do, which was uh, Little Rita of the West. So you know we got some uh, female led westerns here, uh, kind of thing. So that's good. But yeah, we're going to be doing uh, Hundred Rifles and Hanny Calder tonight, and 
That should be fun. Yeah. I think, I think the goal was, you know, whenever we do these, we try not to do the, like the big iconic ones, like, you know, mm-hmm. the easy thing would be to do, you know, you know, what is it? 1 million years BC. Yeah. And, um, you know, and uh, like Myron Breckenridge or something like that. Yeah. You know? So it's, we always, whenever we do this, it's like, yeah, and let's, let's pick the last ones. I had seen Hanny Calder before and enjoyed it. And so I was like, yeah, we'll do that one. And, uh, Hundred Rifles kind of came up as in that same like kind of time period and thought it would pair pretty pretty well with uh, Hanny Calder and uh, actually uh, I, I don't know we'll, we'll get into that you know mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know uh, both both made when she was Raquel Welch was you know kind of probably at the height of her stardom in this time period this, you know yeah this is really like her peak kind of period really yeah uh, we can talk about what we've uh, watched in the last little while. Uh, so I will throw over to you first, Daniel. Yeah, I um, actually saw Rashomon on the big screen recently. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, this was actually a first time watch that I've, I've actually seen Rashomon. Oh, cool. um, it was I was on vacation um, in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. with a friend and uh saw <laughs> um she was like yeah no there's this great theater and um there's this great theater called the row house theater they're doing like an uh asian american you know film mm-hmm. thing and i'm like sure sounds good and you know rashomon was playing and i'm like let's go see rashomon and so we did not only a great film which you know <laughs> mm-hmm. you know it's i always like to hold on to some of these things and being like you know like i know this is going to be a masterpiece when i see it so let's just hold off and not watch it at you know some yeah but it was a great experience this is literally a theater it's a one screen theater built into mm-hmm. an old row house okay. um, yeah. and uh you know so when they're doing like asian american you know films you know that's like this is all we're showing is <laughs> you know is this um and they have this like amazing like beer bar and beer store downstairs so oh, i nice. was drinking like an epic big bad baptist <laughs> you know while uh <laughs> watching Rashomon. So um yeah that was that was a great experience. Um so cool. uh you know Rashomon one of the great movies ever made. Uh, go check yeah. out sometime, you know. <laughs> I don't think I need to get into the details of it uh here if, but um, if you ever, ever heard of that Kurosawa guy. That Kurosawa guy. Know? Yeah. yeah. He, he, he's pretty good. He was pretty mm-hmm. good. Um yeah, no, definitely definitely highly recommended and I think it um seeing it seeing it now, you know, after having like done podcasted the uh, stray dog and a couple of his other mm-hmm. um films uh, it really does uh you know it fits very neatly into that period of his of his stuff i think you know if you've seen rational without having seen some of his other stuff i think that you miss certain details of it particularly um ikiru and yeah and stray dog are both kind of are all kind of made in that same few year period um so yeah mm-hmm. check it out yeah and we, i mean we need to get back to kurosawa at some point i mean we've we've always talked about eventually we're going to do seven samurai which you yeah. know so we we, <laughs> we will get to that at some point you know in yeah. like 2032 or something yeah something whatever. like that yeah, yeah. you know in our utopia's <laughs> free time yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll get sweet yeah. yeah anything else to mention um not really nothing nothing else uh you know kind of you know, the, you know, after it's like, yeah, I saw Rashomon and also uh, the new, uh, you know, <laughs> and a Wayans movie, Wayans Brothers movie from 1996, you know, <laughs> you know? Rashomon. That's the that's the one you want to you want to saw Rashomon uh, you know. and then I saw Scary Movie 3. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that is that is our style here, though. So, you know, it is. Can't, can't complain, you know, it's, it's on brand for us. Um, yeah. 
So I'll, I'll mention a couple things, and a, a couple of these just kind of bleed into recent sort of podcast appearances I've had. So uh, my other podcast that I'm on uh, with uh, my friend uh, Gary Hill and Cameron Scott, who have both guested on this podcast, uh, Last Call at Torchies, which is a Walter Hill chronological retrospective where we go through all of his films chronologically one at a time. We have gotten to another 48 hours, and uh, that movie held up incredibly well for me i actually kind of like it better than the original 48 hours uh Hmm, interesting which which is a surprising thing it surprised me i I found like it kind of flowed a little bit better Uh, like eddie murphy and nick nolte are a bit older and this is kind of almost basically an eddie murphy project because he got walter hill to like hey are we ever doing a sequel i mean i'll write it if if you want (laughs) (laughs) and and so they did uh and it's kind of good like it, it kind of plays off uh the sort of racial tensions of the first 48 hours where they come to a a bit of a closer understanding in this film uh the two characters where nick nolte now is no longer an alcoholic cop he's a reformed drinker uh drinker at this point and uh, a little less racist so uh, yeah, well you know yeah so yeah, they, in the, the new 90s vibe you know yeah Slightly less racist nick nolte you know and, th- and this is just um oh god and i'm i'm gonna blank on the name of the film but we covered it nick nolte cop film oh q a Q&A. This is just around the same time as Q&A, so he's got that Q&A weight on him. Oh, so, nice. you know, he's, yeah. Yeah, so he's got a little bit more gravitas and stuff going on. Does he on. have the mustache? That's really, that's when you know. That's when you no. know. You're in, that's <laughs> peak Nick Nolte is the mustache. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't have the mustache, but um, I, I, it, it's really good, and it's basically just a remake of 48 Hours, like, essentially. Yeah. But it's just kind of like, oh, we, we got the formula down, we're going to perfect it, and and make, a like, a really nice commercial film for Walter Hill, where he can make some money. Like, I think it was one of his biggest hits. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and I liked it. And also, this is, this is I saw this before I saw the first 48 Hours, because this used to play on TV all the time, because it was well, yeah, such no. a big hit. Yeah. No, yeah, and, no, I re- you and I are about the same age, so I, I remember it mostly from the ads that it would play on, like, a mm-hmm. cable, you know? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Last Call of Torchies it is part of the uh, Legion Podcast Network, so there is a Patreon thing connected to that, where it's like we do bonus episodes for the for the show so we every time we do a walter hill film we pair it with something you know sort of double feature style and so if people want to pay into the patreon um i think it's like two dollars or some shit like that so you know it's dirt cheap uh we did uh the nice guys uh the shane black uh film from uh what 2016 i guess yeah 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 Yeah. excellent fucking film uh, uh, one we should cover on this podcast at some point because uh, yep. it's, it's really really good. I'd be down for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one I'll mention uh, where I was a podcast appearance. Uh, I was on the Doctor Movie podcast with uh, my friend Ricky Morgan, uh, also from uh, Hailming Power Hour and, and podcasts like that. We did the Rift from nineteen ninety ish ninety ninety one somewhere around there. And this is basically um, so Dino De Laurentiis did Leviathan, and then that was right around the time where it's like Leviathan, The Abyss, Deep Star Six, all those films sort of all of a sudden in the zeitgeist, I guess, kind of showed up. And uh, Dino De Laurentiis was like, We did Leviathan, we still got some money left over, let's make the cheap direct to video version of that as well. 
so we can cover all the markets, right? We can cover all of our right. bases. And so the Rift is this like really bizarre, cheap, gory B movie version of Leviathan, basically. And uh, it's got uh, Arlie Ermy in it from uh, Full Metal Jacket. Uh, and it's got a bunch of TV actors no one's ever heard of and no one ever saw again. And it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah, it's like surprisingly good. It's like right at the tail end of that period where like practical effects, you could still get away with like miniature models in the ocean, you know, in like a in a fucking uh, fish tank and lots of great practical effects. And uh it's cheap as fuck and it's kind of the blueprint for every one of the uh, sci-fi monster movie of the week kind of shit you see these days or whatever, you know, from like the sci-fi network and stuff. But, but this is like the good version of those because it's like all practical and, you know, there's actually some real merit to the effects work and stuff, you know? Uh, So uh, I enjoyed it. Um, No, no. That sound those those both sound like definitely like I want to see them. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, I'll just mention some TV stuff I've been watching. Uh, I rebinged uh, Reacher because uh, yeah. I love that fucking show, and I can't wait till it comes back for the second season. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I just I love the fact that it's a show about given the bad guys, they're just desserts. Like they get yeah. killed hard. <laughs> they do. They very much do. Yeah. Yes. It's, um, and it's very good. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I got, I got, I got some like justified vibes, which is one of my all-time mm-hmm. favorite television shows. Um, it's not, it's not quite justified. It doesn't go in that direction, but it's, it's got, it, it gives me some of that same like, just this is just pure popcorn for me mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, and it tracks the uh, plot of the first book pretty well. Yes, that was it one does. of the books I ever read, but uh, it tracks it fairly well. Yeah, I guess, I guess season two is going to do like the eleventh book. Okay. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. The books aren't like chronological at all, and there's like almost thirty of them now. So, right. (laughs) Uh, Also, I just uh, I just hope Roscoe comes back. I hope she's I hope she's a part of it because uh, that actress was really good, and Roscoe is obviously a great character. Yeah, like the 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 character of uh, what's what's her name Uh, Nigley. She shows up in the series of the books. Okay, popping up right. So she'll obviously totally cool to bring her back every time and like roscoe yeah she should show up again like she they can they can change it you know they can change things around a little bit and have her back yeah no i'm sure they will so also i've been watching um uh mandalorian uh the new season of that and i've been enjoying it i know a lot of people have been shitting on it because oh it's not there's not really anything going on in the series there's like you know grogu's still there and he's just kind (laughs) of like comedy fodder now and there's no this seems like there's as, as much big stakes and it seems like there's other plots that were set up in the previous seasons that are getting played off in other shows i don't give two fucks i enjoy it just for what it is it's just pulp yep. sci-fi and it's really good pulp sci-fi and i i feel like a lot of people don't get that they're expecting like some sort of big important expanded universe shit that has to be like the best tv ever fucking made and I, th- I feel like a lot of people expect that from every TV show these days. Like, it's got to right. be the most deepest, best written, character-driven drama with all kinds of uh, important things to say about the well, greater it, it, universe. It has to be, like, prestige TV. It has yeah. to be something, you know, and it has to it has to be, like, a steak every time. And it's like, no, sometimes you don't want a steak. Sometimes you just want the, uh, the reheated cheeseburger. It's, it's mm-hmm. going to be fine, you know? I just dig it's just 
like honestly it could go a little harder a little darker mm-hmm. that's the only that's the only problem i have with it otherwise it's it's just good fucking pulp sci-fi stuff you know that's not too far removed from like john carter of mars or something along those lines and they just have fun like one-off adventures in the season like there there is a story underneath it all but like there's all these asides to it that are just fun and the, you know where they're they're riffing off cool movies that everyone knows and shit and it's like okay yeah i'm, I'm on board man it, it's it's just nice popcorn stuff i like it i haven't i haven't started season three yet but uh mm-hmm. you know i enjoyed the first two seasons obviously and uh you know like uh, <laughs> I, I feel like i feel like i don't want that show i don't want the star wars shows to be you know like epic grandiloquent like statements I, about I, stuff I, I just i just don't know where it started although i heard people. nice things about andor i heard nice things about andor andor so andor I should, is i i i'm glad but, you brought but, that up because but the mandalorian should be like one-off adventures you know yes. like loosely connected together you know into like an overarching plot but you know not the plot the plot doesn't matter like mm-hmm. i'm sorry whether mando takes his helmet off or not is not an interesting you know, like <laughs> dynamic for me what i want to see is like mando get in there and mm-hmm. you know get into a scuffle with some people like that's yeah. all i want from this you know like and and they're actually addressing that in the third season where it's just yeah. like you know this helmet stuff this is kind of bullshit like we <laughs> you know they're they're, they're, they're kind of getting into that but yeah, I mean, and I, I'm glad you brought up Andor because if if you want the real deep, like awesome Star Wars, that's like super adult, quote unquote, go to Andor because that it, it brings it. it, it does. It's it's good stuff. It's 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 a, it's about the realities of starting a rebellion and how sometimes you got to be a really bad person and you got to kill good people to topple an empire so uh it's interesting stuff in that but um and the other the only other thing i'll mention um tv wise season three of picard yep which i've been really enjoying you know and of course the 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 sort of thing everyone's saying oh yeah it's basically just season eight of next generation and yes it is (laughs) and it's awesome uh It can do no wrong. The latest episode where finally the entire crew is reunited around a fucking table talking to each other brought tears to my eyes. Totally admit that. Fucking loved it. It was just like, oh shit, I'm transported back like 20 years. You're gonna you're gonna make me actually watch Star Trek Picard, aren't you? <laughs> I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to all you have to watch is season show. three. All you okay. have to watch is the because I honestly it's nothing, first... I, I loved Next Generation and mm-hmm. I you know like it's just one of those things I just don't watch TV anymore. So right. you know, but like I that sounds like a blast. Yeah, no, I'm I'm and gonna lit- have to check it out. And literally the best thing about it is and you know, people criticize the first two seasons because they kinda they kinda stalled halfway through both seasons. Season three, you don't need to see the first two seasons. They they give you all the cliff notes of what happened in the first two seasons, and then it's just like we're picking up right from fucking <laughs> seasons uh, seven of, of Next Generation, yeah. basically. So we're pretending all good things aired last weekend. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I loved it. I fucking love it. Um, yeah. So uh, we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna come back, and we're gonna talk about. 100 rifles and uh i've been informed that i should uh, throw this warning out to uh listeners so i'm just gonna play that right now this is the most unusual party you've ever attended 
people are deliberately getting drunk with the later intention, once they're under the influence, of driving automobiles. You ungodly warlock. If you're interested in topics such as cryptids, airline crashes, aliens, true crime, technology, conspiracy theories, disasters, paranormal activity, religion, science, and pop culture, then That Sort of Weird might be a podcast you'll want to add to your library. The new That Sort of Weird podcast explores all these topics and more while trying to be informative, critical, and humorous. Your hosts, Mike and Iris, have worked together in the podcasting space for over a decade now and have a unique chemistry, one that just might draw you in and make you laugh. New episodes of That Sort of Weird drop every two weeks and can be found on Apple Podcasts and all other podcast delivery systems. If you're old school and listen from your desktop PC, just head over to thatsortofweird.com to listen to new and archived episodes. So fire up your favorite pod app and search for That Sort of Weird to subscribe and listen today. You ungodly warlock. Yeah, Mike Murphy, back to podcasting. <laughs> Good to hear. Good to hear. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. A hundred rifles. <laughs> he, you can't stay away for long, right? <laughs> like, he, you know, he was he never going to retire. All right. No, he, anyway. he, 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 is, he is determined to die with a podcast mic and a soundboard in front of him. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's, the, that's the life we lead, friend. Mm-hmm. You know, anyway. uh, hundred rifles, 1969. I got a trailer here, so we're going to play that now. Watch out for Raquel Welch. 
I am your woman for as long as you want to be. Watch out for Bert Reynolds. You saw all them engines hung up like a side of a beef? After all the trouble we went through to get them rifles? Look, I spent 15 years in the 9th Cavalry, keeping the law and chasing bad Indians. But this one ain't my business, it ain't my fight, and it ain't my job. We should have killed him. Watch out for Fernando Lamas. He's tough, Sheriff. By the time I'm through with you, you'll be ready to tell me everything I want to know. Jim Brown and Raquel Welch, two of the hottest stars today, trigger the screen's most explosive action. I'm sorry you got mixed up in this. You mean half as sorry as me. They destroy an army. They sabotage a train. They capture a town. They fight with every dirty trick in the book. And they're the heroes of this picture. All right, this is directed by Tom Grease, and uh, this is one of those uh, j- sort of journeyman directors who did all the TV in the 50s and 60s, uh, and, you know, did a s- smattering of films here and there as well. Um, he did Will Penny. Uh, he did uh, two Bronson films, uh, Breakout and Breakheart Pass, which are both pretty excellent actually uh he did the tv movies earth 2 which was like supposed to be a sci-fi series but didn't get picked uh picked up and he did the uh, tv miniseries helter skelter as well so uh he's got some good little credentials there i think he died like in his 50s or something like that though he so died like, in 77 so just a yeah few later, yeah yeah, uh, we got writers uh, Claire Huffaker here, and we have covered one of his films before, Posse from Hell, that he wrote on. Uh, Tom Grease also has a writing credit here, and uh, Robert McLeod, uh provided the novel The Californio that this is based upon, and he also wrote The Appaloosa, which was a 1966 movie uh, adaptation. Our actors here, we got Jim Brown as Lidecker. Yeah, he's been in 100 Rifles, Ice Station Zebra. We've covered him in Tick, Tick, Tick. Uh, And also uh, a little while ago, we covered him on Three the Hard Way on this podcast. Uh, Yep. Uh, We got Raquel Welch, of course, as Serena. And of course, like we said before, we, we covered her in The Queen's. 
we've got uh only we would like our first like glancing notice of like yeah. a welch on a podcast <laughs> multi-year running podcast is like oh yeah she was one of four in this like completely obscure italian yeah <laughs> yes. this anthology that no one yeah. remembers like there's yeah, literally yeah. almost nothing on the internet about it you know you got to yeah. scrub super hard for it um burt burt reynolds making his first appearance on this podcast honestly yeah, that's, which is that's... crazy yeah, yeah, that, that's uh, surprising. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, as, as Yaki Joe, um, he is, uh, of course, and it, it's kind of funny watching this because he's part of the sort of influence for uh, Leo DiCaprio's character in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, it, it kind of, <laughs> he's one of the things, like an amalgamation of different actors at this time that makes uh, the the Rick Dalton character. Um, so his career, he started in the TV in the uh, 50s and 60s, doing a lot, lots of cowboy TV and stuff, uh, tons of gun smoke. Uh, he had his own series, Hawk, and he had like guest appearances in FBI. Uh, but right around this time is when his movie career started to take off. He had done Navajo Joe, and right around this time, he does 100 Rifles, um, Sam Whiskey, Impasse, Shark, and then he took off of Deliverance, White Lightning, Longest Yard, Gator, Smoking the Man. It became a big star, you know. Yeah. Uh, this is right before he jumps off. And when you're listening to the trailer, it's like Jim Brown, Raquel Welch, and hey, Burt Reynolds. Some and guy. then this other guy, right? Yeah. <laughs> this guy you've seen in your TV a few times. Like that yeah. guy, right? You know? But it's like this was released before like several of the movies he had previously filmed. So like he's just ready to break out, like kind of thing. So. Um, we got Fernando Lamas as Verdugo. We got Dan O'Hearley as Grimes. We've covered him before in Halloween 3 and Robocop 2. Um, yeah. Uh, we've got Eric Braden here as Von Klim. Um, he's done a lot of TV, played a lot of Nazis, uh, because of course he's German. So, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and he had a couple of different things here. Uh, he was in Escape from Planet of the Apes. He had a bit part in Piranha of all things is just like a body double <laughs> in a swimming scene for some reason. Um, and then he shows up in like fucking Jim Cam- Jim Cameron's Titanic later on, you know, no, so no, no. out of nowhere. So, yeah, we got Michael Forrest as Humara. Uh, again, another guy who's been in every TV show of like the 50s and 60s. Uh, he did some Corman stuff. Um, he was in Beast from the Haunted Cave. He was in the Frank O'Nero film, The Shark Hunter. Uh, his big career, though, is more uh, anime voice uh, work. We're mm. doing the, doing the you know English uh, dubs of anime stuff. Um, he's in stuff like Lupin the Third, uh, Golgo Thirteen, Mobile Suit Gundam, Ninja Scroll, Ghost in the Shell. Even did like the voiceovers for like the American English versions of like the Power Rangers live action shows, uh, and uh, he's. And then he just shows up in Castaway, uh, you know, starring Tom Hanks, Castaway, you know, this, yeah. <laughs> you got to wonder if like some of these like old school, like, you know, or Zemeckis just loved him in something and went like, yeah, we'll throw him in Castaway. Sure. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. That kind of thing happens. It does. It does. Um, and I, you know, I, I figure like um, with uh, like Eric uh, Braden, like, like I was saying, he, he had a bit part in Piranha. But I mean, that's, you know, Jim Cameron was working for Roger Corman at that point, And yeah. he went on to direct 
piranha mm-hmm. to the spawning. Yeah. Entirely so, possible that he just met him uh, at that time and then just mm-hmm. kept him in mind. And was like, yeah, yeah, you'd fit in perfectly fine in this, uh, in my, in my, in my big, uh, ocean movie. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we need it. We need a Nazi on the Titanic or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I've never actually watched that film, so I don't know if he's a Nazi in it or not. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, it was, uh, you know, I saw, I saw it once. It was many years ago, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we have who I, if I'm not mistaken, oh no, wait, we still get another here. Just this whole second here. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, we had Aldo Sambrell as Sergeant, uh, Paletes. Uh, he was in all the spaghetti westerns. Uh, Fistful of Dollars for a few dollars more. The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Duck, You Sucker. Navajo Joe. Bullet for the General. Hellbenders. White Comanche. Once Upon a Time in the West. All the stuff. Um, yeah. Just venerable character actor. You, you'll know his face when you see him. Uh, and we have, I think, I think she's our first podcast girlfriend. One of the first, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Soledad Miranda is girl in hotel. Yeah. And yeah. You know, of course, we've covered her in White Comanche, Franco's Count Dracula, Vampiro's Lesbos, and she killed in ecstasy. And uh, yeah, nice to see her. We haven't uh, covered anything with her in quite some time. So yeah, no, unfortunately, I think this was the uh, this movie first came to my notice when I was looking at like her filmography, actually. And it's like, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, the commentary online, it's like, hey. Uh, she's in it you know it was mm-hmm. kind of like you know she's she's uh you know not uh <laughs> she's not in it for long um and she's naked through most of her role and so yeah. that, those are the two things that you know you know about you know about her in this movie if you the uh, first the first w- thing you see is her sweaty ass in band yeah. with burt reynolds and yeah yeah she makes an impression that's for <laughs> she sure. does yes it, you know it's it's very difficult to show up raquel welch in a in a movie of this era but i think Selena miranda she she makes a good go of it for sure she does she gives a good good college try on it yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh so i have synopsis here from imdb from someone called Fryingham. Yaki Joe, Burt Reynolds, is an Indian who robs a bank in order to buy guns for his people. And I should just mention, like, the Yaki Indians. It's basically um, uh, sort of offshoot of Aztec uh, culture. And uh, they have a long history of uh, sort of resisting imperialism. That's kind of like that's kind of their claim to fame. Like when the Spanish came a knocking, they said, fuck you. And like won several battles against them and held them off, I guess, you know, it wasn't until America became a thing. And it's like, oh, we'll put you in a reservation that, you know, (laughs) things change, things change for some of them. But uh, yeah, is an Indian who robs a bank in order to buy guns for his people who are being savagely repressed by the government. Set in turn of the century, Mexico tells the story of his uh, flight into Mexico and his pursuit by an American lawman. They eventually become allies and team up with Serena Raquel Welch. Uh, to take up the cause of the Indians, and yeah, that's that's basically the story. It, yeah. It's it's um it's not an Italian western, but it is pretty much the same as most uh, you know story wise as Sapata Italian westerns. We you know where it, it's it's an Italian you know spaghetti western dealing with uh, Mexican Revolution. So right. it's it's the it's kind of like the American made version of that. Um, yeah, so uh, I'll throw over to you, Daniel. Is this a first time watch? And uh, what did you think of it? 
Yeah, first time watch for me. I had um I think I'd seen like bits and pieces of it prior to this, but you know, first time kind of seeing and watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this was one that I was kind of excited for, you know, because I was like, Oh yeah, <laughs> Mexican Revolution, you got mm-hmm. Burt Reynolds, you got Raquel Welch, you got Jim Brown, uh, you got, you know, it's not a spaghetti western, but it's sort of made in that same style. It's in this, you know, and this is gonna be something that's really gonna, you know, look. You put a bunch of, you know, <laughs> you put a bunch of native people and yeah. arm them with rifles and get them to shoot at imperialist armies. I'm always down for that. Yeah. And and with the uh, and with the, you know, the 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 cast here is just amazing. You know, like these are these are people in the in their prime here, as we've, mm-hmm. as we've kind of talked about. And so it's surprising just how much this film kind of lay flat for me. Like this just kind of. <laughs> yeah. There's just not like all the elements are there. Like if you if you gave me like it's hard to imagine how you fuck this up this badly. Yeah, <laughs> and and I think it really is like it's not a terrible film. It is not a it is no. not it is not awful to watch, but it's a little bit too long, and it's very like because I watched this one and then rewatched Shani Calder, and there's kind of a night and day difference in terms of like yes. this this the guy who directed this he directed a ton of very formulaic TV. Mm-hmm. And this feels like it is directed by someone who wrote, who directed a ton of very formulaic TV. Yeah. It is completely flat. It lays just right there on the screen. There is no like charm to anything that's happening. There's no, it's just, it goes through the motions and that's all it does. And it's a shame because mm-hmm. it's, it's just all that wasted potential because there were all the, all the elements for a great movie are here. And it just, it's, it's not one I can recommend like on any level. It's an eighth generation Xeroxed copy of like Companeros or something like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Know? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, it's like I just kept thinking, like, is it just because we don't have like a Leone score? Is that kind of what what the movie needs? You know, I watched a little bit of, you know, I watched like a few like like there's this um shot. There's this moment where I mean, like the whole thing is, you know, you've got the like the evil, you know, general, you know, who's Lorenzo mm-hmm. Lamas's dad in real life. Which yeah, is that's hilarious. I forgot to mention that. It is, <laughs> yeah. It's weird. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like Lorenzo Lamas apparently is one of the like little little kids in this movie, you know? Wow. And uh, you know, little renegade a, running around. Little, they got a renegade coming. He's going to ride a motorcycle and, you know, kill the bad guys. No. Um, like, Lorenzo Lamas's dad is supposed to be like the this hardest of hard motherfucker who's like just gonna annihilate. He's literally mm. he's literally pr- pursuing genocidal policies towards the Yaki here, right? Mm. And yet, there's no moment that has nearly the power of that like one scene in Django where they're like having the guys like run and like shooting them as they're um, yeah as they try to get away. Like that's a powerful, powerful moment in a great movie, you know. And that was just, that's, it's just sitting here, you know, and there's nothing in this that like really gives us any of that gravity to it. You know, there's nothing that really kind of expresses any kind of real stakes. It's just, it kind of feels like a, a buddy movie where they're just kind of like bumbling around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Stakes was the word you took right out of my notes where it's just like, there are none like it, this, it, it feels like it's just going through the motions. Like, it's like, this is how you make a Zapata Western. And now we're going to do it in America. You have to have the, you have to have the, the feisty hot woman. Yep. You have to have the revolutionary. You have to have the straight man who's ambiguous as to whether he's going to side with the guy or not or whatever. It's, it's mm-hmm. Companeros. It's the mercenary. 
Yep. But it's lacking all the chemistry that, you know, like Franco Nero has with Thomas Millian, mm-hmm. you know, or and you know, it's just it's just going through the motions. Like I was falling asleep watching this tonight yep. and I was like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> well, and, and uh, I mean, I didn't go back and rewatch this. I mean, like Raquel Welch dies at the end of this. Right? I didn't, I didn't notice. I'm pretty when- sure. I'm pretty sure it happens off screen. Like yeah. I am, I am, I am, I am shocked at the, just the sheer, like, again, all the actors are doing their job here. Mm-hmm. You know, apparently um, Jim Brown and Raquel Welch had some like friction behind the scenes. Oh, you know? like, uh, that's pretty serious. That's you know, the theme like, of both of these movies. Honestly, like apparently yeah. Raquel Welch was kind of a diva back oh, in this time. Yeah. Well, she had right to be, to be fair. I guess but, you know, she did. Yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, no, I mean, I don't, it's hard to it's hard to say. I think that everybody is fine in the movie, and I honestly don't see like watching this. Like, if you didn't tell me that there was like a, a bunch of you know uh, conflict between Welch and Brown, I wouldn't have like called it from that. You know, mm-hmm. like I think they're I think they're fine on screen. I think that they do have some chemistry. I think that you know <laughs> she gives him a peck on the lips, and his immediate response is to uh, sexually assault her. Like yeah. that speaks to a certain um, era of cinema that we're in here. You know, and yeah, like, not it's... like that. Oh, okay, fine. I'll give you. I'll give you the sweet love, and then you know. Yeah, it's <laughs> yes, yeah, that's right. She's like, no, I don't want it that way. I don't want to be sexually assaulted. I want you to. Act Actually make love to me yeah you know, like right yeah oh no, so it's... that's that's the options that are presented to jim brown because usually it's like well usually i gotta, I gotta rape a woman like yeah. what like, yeah, this is this is not this is not cool guys no like, but, uh, but but at the same time the movie is totally dedicated to like look how sexy Raquel Welsh is and she's going to have sex with a black man. Like that's yeah. the whole, that's the whole point of this film really. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And it's, yeah. uh, I mean, it is like historic in that way. It has, yeah. you know, strong undertones. I mean, there's, there's, there are things to like about this, but I don't like it at all. <laughs> like I don't like, no, it I don't want to rewatch work. this, you know, it just doesn't work as a movie, you know? And I like it again, like you could, you could imagine, you know, the hundred rifles being this sort of like MacGuffin sort of thing. Like you can mm-hmm. imagine, like we're just after these guns. Everybody wants the guns, nobody, but then they get the guns and they're kind of, they load them up on burrows and then yeah. they're just kind of wandering around in the desert for the rest of the movie until the, you had a big train sequence at the end, which, um, is, which is really good. Like yeah. the, the, the attack on the train uh-huh. is really good, but it's like, we had so much film before that where I was so bored that is like it's too little too late like yeah it like the last third of the film is the assault on the train and then they use the train to attack the town but but by that time it's just like and i, and I will say like when they get to the train attack on the town that's not staged very well like the action no. is hard to follow and it's just not very good. And then it's like all of a sudden Raquel Welch is dead. It's like, how did that happen? I don't know. <laughs> and I, I mean, Jim Brown does look like he can throw some dynamite. <laughs> yeah. You know, you've literally got Jim Brown throwing dynamite. And I'm kind of sitting here going like, all right, just let me know when the movie's over. You know, <laughs> like, you know, well, and, and I'm watching the background of that, too. And it's like it's clearly like actors. <clears throat> they're given direction. Look like you're doing stuff. 
and there's like enemies looking like they're doing stuff right next to each other, but they're not shooting at at each other. They're not fighting. It's just like eat time up guys, eat time up. And and that's what they're doing. And it's just like, Oh my God, there's so many missed opportunities (laughs) in this film earlier, earlier on when they're like, uh, when they're uh, putting up sandbags, they're like building up fortifications. Mm -hmm. You literally, I saw, I saw like several people just pick up a sandbag, move it an inch and then set it back down again, you know, and (laughs) like they should not be noticing that in a movie with these actors in it. Like that is not, that is not what I should be remembering from this movie is the, an extra handling of sand back you know yeah that's and and again where where it comes down to like no stakes and it feels like nothing is super serious until you you see raquel welsh's body with a bullet hole right in her head all of a sudden which which is totally just like totally different from everything else because when they assault the train and you see the aftermath of that where they're cleaning up the train of bodies and Mm -hmm. they're like just dumping these bodies off the fucking train that should be like a really solemn, horrific moment. And it's not, it's like, no, Burton Reynolds is joking with Jim Brown. They're, they're, they're loading up the train. Let's get going guys. Like what, what, what kind of tone does this movie have? Like sometimes it's trying to be funny and never is. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm just like, I don't know what we're doing here. Like, why are we, why are we like uh, an hour and a half into this? And like, it feels like we have no direction, even though I know we're going to on the train to attack the bad guys, but I don't really know how we got there. Like, it just feels there's so anticlimactic by the end of yeah. it. I mean, the one kind of good element that I enjoyed was the uh, sort of relationship between um, uh, Dan O'Hurley, the, uh, as the, as Grimes, the, uh, the railroad mm-hmm. rep and um, Lamas is a uh, Vert- vertigo. Okay. Um uh I did like the the tension between them, like in their like the the few scenes they have together. Like there's one scene where they're on the train and he's like, We're not going to destroy the train, are we? We we you know, (laughs) the railroad has its interests. And then at the end, like he ends up basically he tells Yaki Joe, he's like, you know, look. You got to be in charge now because somebody has to take care of the railroads. You understand? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, he's just such a slime ball, and I kind of mm. loved that. It was, it was, it was pretty glorious. Like you know, he's having a good time. You know, and yeah, uh, you I mean, you can't, you can't blame him for that. You know, but, I mean, when you think about it, he's <clears throat> really the him and and the guy who plays Vertigo. They're actually the real seasoned actors in this. I mean, yeah. Jim Brown is a star at this point, but he's still pretty new. Raquel yeah. Welch is still very new and Burt Reynolds is an unknown quantity at this point, really. Like right. he, he's, he's a TV. I mean, he'd guy. been, a, he'd been a TV, he'd been a TV actor for a decade or so, but yeah. you know, he wasn't, you know, he, he, he was, he was kind of a nobody with, you know, like, I'm like, if this is, if these are your interesting characters, show me more of them. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. if this, this is what we got going on. I mean, you know, like there's also another read in which like Jim Brown and Burt Reynolds just end up being kind of like goofy side characters, sort of like, in like Selena or Sarita and Raquel Welch is really kind of running the show mm-hmm. and then they're just kind of like bumbling and getting in the way and then we have like kind of the the bad guys it's it's just it feels like we've put more thought into this already and this apparently went through several screenplay drafts um i actually bought i, I found a like a six dollar paperback on amazon so i'm gonna read the book that this is based okay. on just to see like if there was something here that just got completely lost or if it really was like this garbage from from beginning to end but apparently this went through like several drafts and like you know they had like writers come on to like fix this and 
I just don't, I just, I, it, I, I just, it's hard to diagnose what the, what the real problem is. I think it's just ultimately just very pedestrian with mm-hmm. like a couple of like kind of good spiky bits kind of like that showed that show you what could have been here, you know? Yeah. And, and, and I, f- I forget which one it is. I, th- I think it's cop and arrows. They actually have that dynamic where it, it turns out to be the female revolutionary. Who's the one who's got to like do all the work while uh, Thomas Millian is just like, Oh, I'm so cool. I'm the, I'm the revolutionary leader. I can just sit back and be the badass. And, you know, Franco Nero's just trying to get his fucking money and she's got to like whip them in the shape to fucking get the job done. Right. And and you don't get that here. Like, it's just, well, you don't even get like, you're supposed to have like a, it's a, it's a black, it's an African-American, like, mm-hmm. former cavalry officer for 15 years. And so he's been putting down the Yankee during his, like he's, mm-hmm. he's been on the other side of this fight, you know, for a long time. And he's trying to get like a job as like a, a I guess a sheriff or a lawman or, you know, kind of whatever. Yeah. Uh, over the border and like he's gonna bring in burt reynolds he's gonna bring in old yaki joe and that's gonna be the thing that gets in the job and okay so we've got like you're playing with this kind of racial dynamic you're playing with this like you know but then i don't ever even get the sense of like like why do you want this like why do you why why is this important to you and beyond that like why why do you ch- <laughs> why don't you still want that at the end of the movie you know like it's just like like it's it, there's just no there there in terms of explaining mm-hmm. it except like well we've been through a lot together now and so i guess we get to be friends you know like, yeah this, has been, this is like this has been done this has been done to death and it's been done better in like almost every version of this i've seen like yeah yeah um it's just it's completely unmotivated and apparently there are like scenes that were deleted from it so maybe mm. there's like a little bit more that kind of happens but you Ugh. know i think that trailer kind of gives a, you know just listening to the trailer when you mm. were playing it earlier it's sort of like it gives away like there's just no movie here you know <laughs> all it's just like the trailer is just like a bunch of like gunshots going off yeah you know? mm-hmm. like and that's all it's like yeah we put 20 minutes of people like diving for dirt and like holding guns and then that's all we had that's yeah it. the trailer's like what Watch out for Jim Brown. Watch out for <laughs> why? Yeah, what is Jim Brown gonna do to you? Yeah. Jim Brown doesn't have any cool kills in this movie or anything. No, you know? he doesn't do anything in this movie, really. Yeah, like I, anyway, maybe. I think we've I think we've gotten the point across. Um, yeah. one bit, one bit that we should one very important scene is the uh, where they uh, attack the train and they they get the train to stop. They have a very sophisticated mechanism for doing that, mm-hmm. which is uh, Raquel Welch. Uh, Yes, uh, under a under a under a waterfall, not a waterfall. Like it's a it's a, like a water, water tower. tower. They've yeah. drilled the hole out of it, and so she's bathing herself. And Raquel Welch famously never did nudity in her uh, career. Mm-hmm. Like she was a sex symbol who never appeared nude in any you know, in you know. And uh, this is about as close as you're going to get. And it's it's <laughs> you you do not have to use your imagination at all no no and, like she's literally like that shirt is so tight on her you can see her nipples she's rubbing her boobs yeah a lot no. yeah <laughs> this is uh you know there's there are two very important reasons to hire raquel welch and mm-hmm. uh, both of them are on display here yeah this uh, it, it's interesting this movie is very much concerned about her tits and the next movie mm-hmm. we talk about very much concerned about her ass oh yes <laughs> yeah oh, yes we're, we're covered both ways uh in this twofer here so yeah. Um, yeah no it is i mean again i think she was talented i you know like her in the movie i think she does 
well with what she's asked to do. Yeah. I just think the movie just doesn't work around her. And that's no, that's she doesn't, how, you know, she, no, honestly, nobody gets a lot to do. Burt Reynolds is like an afterthought in this movie. Like, oh yeah. But he's still trying his best. He's like, he's charming and stuff. It's just like, Pedro Pascal, why are you not doing more in this movie? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the completely inconsistent Alabama accent he does because apparently, like, he thought, like, well, it's gonna, I'm gonna be like a, a, a half breed, which is what yeah. he's called several times in the movie. Yeah. Um, and, so I'm gonna be like half yaki and half white, but I'm gonna be like an Alabama shit kicker. <laughs> That's, yeah. you know, gonna be my angle on it. I mean, you know, it's, I'm just wondering, like, did you discuss this with anyone? Because it feels like you're in kind of a different movie <laughs> than everybody else. Yeah, no, time, I, you know, I, I feel uh, the impression I get is that Burt Reynolds is kind of like the peacekeeper on the set between Jim yeah. Brown and Raquel Welch. And he was just like, I'm just going to ride this out, man. I'm just going to do my thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to not try to get in the middle of it. <laughs> I'm going to try not to do another season of Gunsmoke. That's what mm-hmm. I'm gonna, that's that's my whole job here. I'm going to Rick Dalton and I'm going to get a movie. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So uh, budget for this was three point nine million box office, uh, and this is just rentals, which would be you know theater rentals. Three point five million, um, according to Fox Records, the film got eight million in rentals, or needed eight million in rentals to break even. Which, okay, that, there must have been a lot of advertising on this back, and then that's back in the day. That's crazy. Um, but by 1970, they had made 6.9. So it was a loss to the studio. But uh, I, I don't know if, you know, it's so hard to, like, get accurate, like, reads on what yeah. was and wasn't a success at this point. Releases for this, you can get on Blu-ray, DVD, iTunes, Google Play, Amazon Prime, Vudu, Movies Anywhere, and YouTube. Um, you can both rent and get this for free on YouTube, uh, which, oh. yeah, there, there was like an HD version for free or it gave me the option of renting. And it was like, well, I'm not going to rent it, YouTube. <laughs> I, I don't think I, I, I think I think I have another option in front of me. YouTube. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> uh, so Chuck Robinson, John Wayne's longtime stuntman, was meant to double for Jim Brown on some of the riskier stunts with director Tom Grease planning to put blackface on him. Uh, uh and Burt I mean, Reynolds, it was 1970. He, I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Burt Reynolds would not perform with him, deeming it improper and stated, those days are gone. You better get a black stuntman here right now. Uh, when the production manager stated it was not in the budget and Fox would never go for it, Reynolds paid $500 out of his own pocket to pay for the black stuntman. So there you go. Burt Reynolds is kind of kind of a mensch you know yeah like you know you like you hear things about burt reynolds that are not always the the most pleasant but it sounds like this is the era in which you know burt reynolds gets to be the hero you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah. burt reynolds was such a good person this movie happened and therefore that's the bad deed <laughs> yeah that, it's like <laughs> you burt get reynolds the good did. you get the bad yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> you take the good you take the bad something something the facts, of facts of life yep. yeah 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 there you go. uh yeah uh so we're gonna take a quick break we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about hanny calder do you like music mm. in that case you're gonna love this i was into these dudes before anybody parted with them all the time
ungodly warlock. All right, Handy Calder from 1971, and we have a very truncated trailer that I found. So we're going to play that now. A big bonanza of a Western with an internationally famous all-star cast. Raquel Welsh is Hanny Calder, bounty hunter Robert Culp, Academy Award winner Ernest Borgnine, Jack Elam, Strother Martin, Christopher Lee, Diana Doors. Looks like your sign fell down. Reason I didn't recognize you right off. I didn't know you with your clothes on. A rip-roaring western adventure, packed brimful of action, excitement, and drama, with a beautiful Hellraiser called Hanny Calder. Yeah, that that was like some sort of thing cobbled together for like British TV or something, as far as I can tell. Because yeah. the real trailer is like almost four minutes. It's like I'm not playing that. <laughs> no, that's, uh, don't don't need that. We're, we're good. Yeah. So Hanny called in 1971. This is directed by Burt Kennedy. Um, he did the sequel to uh, the Magnificent Seven, Return of the Seven from 1966. Hmm. Uh, he did the War Wagon, and he did Suburban Commando, the Christopher Lloyd Hulk Hogan film from 1991. <laughs> Which I watched a bunch when I was a kid, so you know, <laughs> probably his work I'm most familiar with. You yeah. Know? <laughs> The the biggest part of his uh, ouvoir that you uh, you know that, I, that I'm aware of you know yeah yeah but, uh, yeah no uh, so this is written by Ian Quick Bob Richards Peter Cooper Burt Kennedy and David Hatch and uh, as far as I can remember none of them all have any other credits really like it's basically just you know a couple of them have like oh we have like two other credits but it's it's just like this is a one and done pretty much for most of these uh, Raquel Welch is Hanny Calder. Robert Culp as Thomas Luther Price. And, of course, people know him from I Spy, uh, Hickey and Boggs, and the uh, very maligned and rightly so Shaft TV spinoff series, which <laughs> is terrible. Um, he, and then he went on. I don't get how he he wasn't a bigger star, honestly. He went on to do a bunch of crap and just, like, TV stuff that no one's heard of. Uh, he did Silent Night, Deadly Night three. Better watch out. And then he had he had a role on Everybody Loves Raymond, a recurring role. But like, man, after watching this film, I was like, God, what happened to him? Like, did he? How is he? How was he not the biggest star of the seventies? Like, he's so good in this. But uh, yeah, no, uh, we've actually covered him before because he was in uh, Bob and Carol and Ted Nellis. Oh, that's right. He's Bob. Fuck. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I fucking missed. Good, good catch. Good catch. <laughs> yeah. So he was having a great couple of years as well because in mm-hmm. one movie he's married to Natalie Wood, and in the next he's uh, sort of getting it on with uh, Raquel Welch. So you yeah, know, like you know, guy, 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 guy was guy could play. You know, but, yeah, yeah, no. Uh, you know, got super like again like super talented here. Like it is like he he makes this movie. You know, mm-hmm. um, and. uh you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, Ernest Borgnine is Emmett Clemens. 
Uh, he's been in the Dirty Dozen, the Wild Bunch, the Poseidon Adventure, Emperor of the North, the Black Hole, Escape from New York. Uh, first time appearance on the podcast. Uh, so there kind we go. of amazing. We haven't we haven't touched on him yet, but you know, yeah. uh, he's great. I mean, he's a classic. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's probably like the first thing I think of is like a late when he was like ninety years old. He did a uh, like a talk show appearance or something, and he was like, I can't remember what it was, but it's like you know, what's the secret to a long life? And he like leans over and goes, I masturbate a lot. And, uh, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I'll see if I can find that clip. You can put it in for us, but that'd be great. Yeah, no, yeah. it's uh, yeah, no, Ernest Borg Nine. There you go. Yeah, uh, a, a legend, a real legend. Um, Jack Elam as Frank Clemens. Uh, we've covered him in High Noon and Once Upon a Time in the West and Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. And of course, he's just <clears throat> a famous character actor, cowboy actor. Everyone knows him with the lazy eye and shit, and it's just like you—you know, you, if you've seen him, you know you—you you, you know him. Strother Martin as Rufus Clemens, uh, classic actor. Love this guy. Borg okay. Nine was in Borg Nine was in uh, Fast uh, Bad Day at Black Rock. We covered him. Uh, Jesus, yes, you. Goddamn, good catch. Thank you. Again, I, I, uh, <laughs> I just uh, I just uh, glanced at his Wikipedia page and went, nope, nope, we did do one, we did get one, we did the Borg Nine. He was he was on our he was on this podcast previously. There we go, awesome, awesome. Uh, uh, so Strother Martin as Rufus Clemens, the Asphalt Jun- Jungle, the man who shot Liberty Valance, uh, Cool Hand Luke, Wild Bunch, True Grit, Butch Cassie and the Sundance Kid, the Ballad of Cable Hogue, the uh, Snake Horror Movie. Hard Times, Rooster Cogborn, and Slapshot, and uh, he's great. He's, <laughs> he's one of my favorites of all time, uh, uh, especially since, you know, saying we, we do the last Call It Torchies uh, podcast, and he was in Hard Times in that, and uh, he's fucking amazing. It's this heroin junkie who's uh, Ch- Charles Bronson's uh, cut man in the, in the, uh, in the uh, bare knuckle fights. It's pretty good. He doesn't have to do his job because Charles Branson never gets cut in any of his fucking fights. <laughs> um, then we have Christopher Lee in his only Western ever. Yeah. Uh, as Bailey. And of course, we've ca- we've covered him in uh, Jess Franco's Count Dracula. Yeah. Uh, we've we covered him in The Hammer, Hound of the Baskervilles, Taste the Blood of Dracula, Horror Express, The Skull and Deathline. It's weird yeah. seeing him in this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I. It's like, how do you? I mean, if you're Christopher Lee, and like, it's like, yeah, you want to you want to come to Spain and film a uh, film 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 for like four days on a on a western. It's like how to. You know what do they offer him exactly? You know I don't know. Like, you know, I mean, this he's, is just, a, he's he's great here. But he's great everywhere. You know, but yeah. he's just very out of place. It's like I forgot Christopher Lee was in this until I saw his name in the credits and went, "Yeah, wait, who is Christopher Lee? Oh, right, he's the gunsmith." Yes, <laughs> you know, completely isolated from the rest of the movie. But all right, sure, no, it's fine. You know, but I mean, this is a British production, so like. And it is uh, Tygon Pictures, which, you know, Christopher Lee did some stuff for them. Uh, They're they're mostly known for doing horror. They did The Blood on Satan's Claw. They did a film we've covered, The Creeping Flesh. Um, Mm -hmm. So he he was, you know, a a frequent uh, contributor to some of their films. So, you know, it it just felt like, you know, Tygon was like, hey, we're casting for this. Christopher Lee's been in some of our films. Hey, 
Christopher, you want to go to Holiday in Spain? Maybe you know, like <laughs> I'm sure that's how they sell that. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. like yeah, yeah, you have to work for you know a couple hours a day, but ultimately, you know, you get to you get to go spend some time in Spain and uh, hang out with Raquel Welch. So yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he was not protesting too much. Um, and we have uh, Diana Doors as the uh, Madame. She's interesting because she is. Uh, sort of like the British answer to Marilyn Monroe. Like she was a big sex symbol earlier on in her career. She's been in all kinds of horror stuff, nothing but the night theater of her blood. Um, and from beyond the grave, I think she met a, and much like um, Marilyn Monroe and stuff, I think kind of met a bad end uh, as some of these starlets tend to do, but yeah, she's in this and uh, we have Stephen Boyd as the preacher. And I'll be interested in talking about this character when, when we get into it, but he is, he is in Genghis Khan, Ben Hur, fantastic voyage, the Bible in the beginning. He, you know, he did a little bit of everything. Uh, up to and, and this is the guy who died at 45. Yeah. Uh, that I was talking about is like, oh, I just turned 45, and okay, <laughs> <laughs> I hope, I hope my t- I hope my number ain't up at this point. I'm just, I'm just yeah. putting it, you know. but yeah. Um, so we have a synopsis here from Ray Hamill on IMDb. Henny Calder, Raquel Welch, enlists the aid of bounty hunter Thomas Luther Price, Robert Culp, to teach her how to be a gunfighter so she can, she can hunt down the three men who killed her husband and raped her. And yes, that is that is the story. That, that is, is the story. story. Yes. <laughs> and the, the, tra- the trailer would not let you know that. The trailer's like, oh, this is more fun-loving and, and boisterous. And, you know, there's elements of that to this, but yeah. no, this is a right <laughs> revenge movie. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's a pretty goddamn good one. But yeah, so you've seen this before, Daniel. And uh, so, yeah, just talk about uh, that and what your sort of general thoughts. Sure. Yeah, I uh, I think I caught this uh, right after we originally did Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice because I was interested in Robert Culp. And um, I think it was just on Netflix. I was just sort of like searching around and like, oh, it's actually at the time it was it was like you could just play it on Netflix. So I watched it then and uh, <clears throat> enjoyed it. I mean, I did, you know, it's kind of one of those like. I didn't take, I wasn't like doing it for the podcast or anything. So I'm not like paying mm-hmm. super close attention to it, but you know, I watched it, enjoyed it and didn't really think too much about it until uh, Welch died. And it's like, well, yeah, well, we should, I'd like to revisit this. And I remember being pretty good and it's pretty good. Like mm-hmm. this is, um, you know, if 100 rifles was, was disappointing, you know, in terms of like having like all the elements of a good thing and then just failing miserably <laughs> at doing anything with them. Um, Hanny Calder is kind of the, it's sort of the opposite, in which case like, you know, I think, you could come into this and not expect too much from it you know it's like oh yeah kind of proto-feminist uh, western you know thing with Raquel Welch looking hot for the entire mm-hmm. runtime. you get all of that <laughs> and then you also get uh, you know a pretty good little uh, revenge story and uh, Robert Culp is fucking amazing in this mm-hmm. you know um, and you get the most bumbling um, <laughs> comedy set pieces with the uh, the three brothers that I, I forgot just how <laughs> awful these three people were <laughs> yeah know? um but they're 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 pretty they're pretty disgusting and uh it's good that they died it's good that they mm-hmm. died yes you know um, yeah so yeah and uh it doesn't wear out as welcome it's 85 minutes long and um a little bit of a deo six back in a here um a little bit uh, a little bit and uh you know um so we could talk about you know sort of sort of some of the uh some of the implications of uh ernest borgnine just choosing to use a knife for his uh killings apparently um but mm-hmm. you know 
Um, but yeah, no, uh, enjoyable watch. I, I think it's, I think this one holds up pretty well. Um, and of course, Rika Walsh is uh, absolutely gorgeous in it. And she has the very famous bathtub sequence, uh, which yes. we'll probably talk about here shortly. So, yeah. <laughs> you know. uh, this is fucking great. Uh, this first time watch for me, I had, I had some expectations going in. Cause I, I did know that Tarantino is a big fan of this one. Mm, like, yeah. I, I think this is his favorite sort of, uh, revenge matic <laughs> as he calls them. Yeah. Um, and I know he says, uh, he credits this as an influence on Kill Bill, which I do see, but it's even more of an influence, I feel, on Django Unchained because, like, the first half of this film is basically the first half of Django Unchained, where Christoph Waltz's character is mentoring Django as a bounty hunter. Like, it's basically the same story. In, in that sense, um, it's entirely possible that the quote uh, that you're referring to, where he's uh, talking about how it was a big influence on Kill Bill, was uh, m- was made was delivered. Like the interview was before Django Unchained was made. Yes, probably. Yes. So you know, but yeah, no, it's it, it, there are clear influences both on you know, both Kill Bill movies and, of course, uh, Django Unchained has has a huge like you know. Um, I mean, it, it, it draws a lot of its structure from that and then just like it spans on it, mm-hmm. you know, um, but yeah, no, but I, uh, I, I do like the, uh, much like a hundred rifles. This is also kind of cashing off the spaghetti Western crate <laughs> shot in Spain. So you, so you get that. I like that. There's like kind of two storylines going on here. So you got Hanny Calder's revenge storyline. And then you have the storyline of the Clemens brothers who are the most bumbling inept fucking criminals <laughs> who are just sort of getting away by the skin of their teeth with everything they do. I, I feel, I feel like the Cohen brothers would have been inspired in part by these guys. Like, yeah. Part of like raising Arizona kind of feel, uh, you know, kind of feel like some of that DNA seems like it's here, you know? Right. The, the, they're the, the only thing is, you know, Borg nine, Elam and uh, Martin are, just evil shits like <laughs> and, and you know Borgnine and Elam are uh they're more the level headed of the of the brothers you know they they get along and and Strother Martin is this just psychopath who yep. is also the picked on brother so he's bullied constantly by the two others <laughs> It's and like, it's like they go in. They they like the, the instigating incident of the spoofy is first they kill Raquel Welch's husband, mm-hmm. and then they discover that Raquel Welch is inside the house, and it's like, ooh, boy, we look at what we got here, and then they yeah. violently rape her yeah. <laughs> in order of birth, I think. <laughs> so you know, yeah, however, you know, something like that. And then as they're leaving, like the next morning, he's just sort of like casually throws like he just almost like throws a molotov or something and suddenly mm-hmm. like, the house burns down around her you know sort of thing um and it's just like the casual viciousness of it is just like really noticeable and you know very you know totally out of place for what's supposed to be a kind of fairly you know laissez-faire kind of easy to get along with uh you know like go girl empowerment feature mm-hmm. but um it, i mean it was that era you know you just have to you just have to go I- with it you know I think the movie balances it pretty well. Like the comedy that comes from the brothers, they are bumbling and funny, but at the same time, you never forget that they are like evil, shitty people. And it's like, and like, you can kind of understand how they're just kind of like bumbling through life, doing these horrible things and getting away with it. And like, eventually it's just catching up with them basically at this point. But, um, but you know, they, they have that, 
that they cut to that scene where they're like they're trying to rob a stagecoach and they're just like totally outgunned and they don't know what to do and eventually uh fucking Borgdine's like we're getting the fuck out of here <laughs> like yeah, just run know, away just run yeah. away <laughs> <laughs> and you never really see that in a western like that yeah. that's that's i think that's the first time i've ever seen that in a western honestly yeah like, no i like, think you're right i think you're right yeah I like that Welch gets more room here to stretch as an actress mm-hmm. uh, yep. compared to the previous film. Like she gets to emote and and do some things and be conflicted and and she's not you know she's not just overacting and screaming like she does in Hundred Rifles. And I'm not blaming her for doing that in Hundred Rifles. That's just kind of how she's written in Hundred Rifles is the right, fiery, yeah. you know, the fiery Latino uh, revolutionary. Um, here she is, you know, the scarred woman who's taking revenge and she sells it pretty well. I think like she does a really good job. Robert Culp comes in and he's this, you know, standoffish, aloof kind of gunslinger bounty hunter dude who basically falls in love with her over the course of like training her. And you can see that same sort of relationship with Christoph Waltz, uh, in in Django in you know Django and Chain, where learns to respect the person they're taking under their their wing, and their the sort of innate humanism in the character comes out. Yeah. Where you know yeah. they they break their code to take this person in and help them basically like that. Right. And that's ultimately what gets Christoph Waltz killed in Django, and it's also ultimately what gets uh, Robert Culp kind of killed as well. Where yeah where they they lose their kind of they lose their edge a little bit because they've opened up to the person they've taken under their wing. So and you know and uh, I love you know in Django and Chain where Christoph Waltz he's just so utterly horrified and insulted and just he will not stand for the shit that he's seen and and right. he, and he throws his life away you know uh, fighting it and then it's kind of the same thing with uh, Culp here. Um, where, you know, he takes his eye off the ball a little bit because, yeah, yeah and, and it, it costs him his life. It, it's not because he's he's lost any skill or anything like that. Like everything he's taught Raquel Welch, he still has it, but it just it's just a just a accident, really. Like he, he yeah. just happens to shoot the door instead of uh, Ernest Borgnine. So. And gets a knife in his belly for his troubles. Yeah, which, and, you know. and he takes a while to die, too, which is, yeah. you know, yeah. And I, I like how he's, you know, they come down to him. He's laying in the thing. He's, he's basically just indignant. Like, get me out of here. Like, take me out of the street. I don't want to die in the fucking street. Yeah. Yeah, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And the movie, just, just to sit on cult just a little mm-hmm. longer. I mean, the movie is kind of leading us in the direction of kind of thinking these two are going to be a couple, right? Like, right. Like, in fact, I didn't even remember that he died in the movie. I remember that she did the the kind of the final killings, but I, I had forgotten that detail. And then when he dies, I'm like, oh, shit, you know, mm-hmm. like that's, you know, because I was kind of expecting there's going to be, you know, happily ever after for these two, you know, that she's going to, you know, put down the gun and say, like, I've done my I've done my duty here. I've done my, you know, I've, I've fulfilled my my vengeance quest. And now I'm going to go home and be a happy homemaker with you. And, you know, it's going to be great. And uh we're gonna have as many babies as Christopher Lee apparently has with God his you know? Christopher Christopher Lee is just like <laughs> retired on a Mexico shore, yeah, fucking <laughs> all the time. He's like a lot of cold nights. Yeah, 
<laughs> it even comes back. He's like, you know, we got, uh, you know, um, Robert Culp is like, you know, how many, just wanted to see how many new kids you got. And well, you know, the nights do get cold here. And then yeah. like, uh, you know, three minutes later, they're like kind of watching Raquel Welch, like play with the kids. And, uh, you know, Lee just comes up behind Culp and is like, yep, them nights, they're getting pretty cold for you. I bet too. And it's like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no. So the bathtub scene, we should talk about the bathtub scene. The whole joke around how she has to get a new pair of pants, and it's like the the short shopkeep basically tells me you got to get them wet first, so they'll like they'll they'll, they'll basically shrink to your butt, and, right. and then you, then they'll be a perfect fit, which you know gives the <laughs> perfect opportunity for her to have these. And again, this is just a repeat of the fucking shirt she's wearing in the hundred rifles, which is like plastered to her. Same thing with the fucking pants in this. Like, it's yeah, just, no, definitely. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's really like it really is a thing of like Raquel Welch barely wears clothes in this movie, mm-hmm. you know, um, because like she's raped at the very beginning and then she's just wearing like a poncho. Yeah, which you know, barely without barely hides her curves, really. Yeah, yeah, you know, and so and I mean, literally, like she, it's every time she has to like shoot the gun or she's like reaching for the pistol, she like moves it out of the way and you right. can see it's like bare underneath too. I mean, you know, it's very, you know, lascivious in the way that this is. You know, she is definitely naked for most of this movie. She's wearing very little clothing, mm-hmm. and then when she finally does get like a pair of pants, it's like, all right, now you gotta. The the only ones we had were way too big, so you gotta like soak them in this like hot tub. And then, uh, you know, you got to stand up and make sure they fit just right. So you got to reach back there and like, you know, really touch those cheeks. And then uh, the film watches <laughs> it happen. Yes. You know, it lingers several times later on. You get you get another shot of that ass in those in those mm-hmm. pants. So, you know, it's, I mean, uh, you I know, mean, they the, know what they're doing here. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, even even the sheriff for one of the towns like, slaps her on the ass at one point, which is, you know, oh, call, which gets called back later when Robert mm-hmm. Culp's like, OK, bury this guy I just killed. And then, and then he's like, oh, you know her? And it's like, oh, and she's like, oh, yeah, we've met before. And then the, the sheriff like bags off, you know, <laughs> he, he was he was afraid I'd catch a cold from my wet bottom. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, oh, yeah, no. And it is funny how like whenever it's like, oh, oh, you're what's his name? What's his name? Uh, Thomas Luther Price. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, my name's Price. Oh, not thomas price oh yeah that's that's me and so yeah, there is this like he's he's left a trail of bodies in his wake before yeah you know? he's, he's very well known like yeah the, the, there is the card game yeah it's the card game thing right where it's just like mm-hmm. he's playing cards with one of the guys he's hunting down and when the guy here hears his name is like oh shit this is the bounty i've been playing cards with this bounty hunter for like half an hour or some mm-hmm. shit you know very it's it's very very good and and yes uh I, you know, you, like you're saying, you, you remember this as, oh, maybe they had a happy ending or whatever. This movie is definitely not about that. This is about this fundamentally changing Hanny Calder by the end when she takes her yep. revenge. Like Robert Culp tells her, if, if you go through with this, you're going to be a different person on the other side. Yep. And that plays into this preacher character, which is not explained <laughs> at all. Stephen Boyd as the preacher, not explained it. You have to, it's left up to interpretation. And I think there is a little bit of like metaphysical things going on in this film where he is a representation of death. 
And basically, so like the first time we see this preacher is when they're at uh, Christopher Lee's place on the shoreline. He comes in to get a, you know, get a gun fixed by Christopher Lee. Robert Culp sees him and he knows who he is. And uh, Raquel Welch is like, is, is he looks like a preacher? And he's like, that's no preacher. Yeah. And, and, and there's no words exchanged between like this. The preacher never says anything really. Um, and so, you know, to, I'm sort of calculating this in the back of my mind. Who the fuck is this guy? He shows up again where he just kind of like sees them uh, traveling on or whatever and just kind of looks at them. And then he shows up at the end and saves Sandy Calder, you know, and gives her a fair fight with Ernest Borgnine. Right. Um, and then at the end, we see him ride off with Hanny Calder. And at that point, she's fundamentally changed. She's now sort of an agent of death. Yeah. And I and I think basically what it is is, you know, Robert Culp and Christopher Lee are both agents of death. The, Robert Culp was bounty hunting. Christopher Lee was doing weaponsmithing for people who were going out to kill people with guns. And Hanny Calder is now carrying that mantle. And so, yeah. look. I mean, you know, the movie doesn't spell it out. Like, I've, I haven't even. I was looking for write-ups of this. Like, am I right about this? And I've, I didn't really read any articles that kind of mention that he's an agent of death or he's death or whatever. Like, it's just, I, I don't, I don't even know if any people really cared or <laughs> thought about it. You know, I, I miss the detail that. Um that he had been watching them during the, uh, during the intermediate. Like I thought like he shows up, you get the one shot of him, like, you know, coming to, to bring his gun to be repaired. And then like, he shows up at the very end and yeah. just like shoots the knife out of Ernest Borgnine's hand. and just sort of took it as like, Oh, lucky I was here, you know, but uh, no, I actually like that. I, I like that. I like that explanation a lot. It gives it a, it gives it, you know, some of the, you know, again, this is advertised and this is kind of, you know, like, you know, all the all the artwork for it, everything is all just like, you know, uh, you know, how hot Raquel Welch is and, you know, how, you know, she, she's but, on like, the, there's, there's a real movie here. You know, she's, like, on the, she's on the poster with her rapists and some of like the poster <laughs> variant. Like it, it's it's not presented as a rape revenge no, movie at all. It's not at all. Not in the slightest. Like this is mm. this is kind of kind of, you know, presented as a romp. You know, it's just yeah. like, oh, we're just going to have some fun running around with, uh, you know, Raquel Welch looking sexy. And, it's, you know, and it's you like, know, big smile. And Ernest Borgnine and Strother Martin and Jack Elam aren't they funny yeah. characters? Like fuck, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I love this. You, film. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, no. I'm liking it more talking to you about it because I kind of. I mean, I like it. I liked it, mm. you know. But uh, you know, I think I think you're right. I think there is something something deeper going on here that's it's a little more interesting, you know. Which you know, it's a great watch. Definitely check mm. this out. Um, yeah. I don't know that uh, I have much more to say about it. I mean, I think it's, I think we kind of, yeah, no, it, I, I think, I think we're, I think we're good. Um, you can find this on Blu-ray, DVD, iTunes, YouTube, like I said, Amazon prime voodoo. So apparently this did all right. I don't have any yeah. official numbers, but did really well in like the UK box office. And although, uh, I said a sort, I, I found a source that said it kind of underperformed in the U S market. I think that had to do more of their expectations. Than anything else, but yeah. apparently it still did fairly strong uh, in North America. So, um, you know, it was it wasn't a failure. Uh, apparently, this is uh, considered a loose remake of the Gunslinger from 1958, mm. which uh, I've not seen, but uh, seems like something to put on the list at this point. 
Sure. And uh, this movie was remade in 2010 as Six Guns, a movie that starred Sage Mears as a young woman who recruits a bounty hunter, uh, Barry Van Dyke, to teach her to be a gunfighter so she can hunt down the men who killed her family and raped her. So, yeah, I'm a little less optimistic about Six Guns in 2010. It's just like most Westerns these days are, <laughs> are low budget and not good, but uh might check it out. Gunslinger, I think I'm going to definitely put on the uh, master list, though, to see what, what that what that's about. Gunslinger 1956. Yeah, we'll definitely check that out. I pulled that up already. So, you know, cool. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, I was I was thinking just in general, like watching these this afternoon, you know, like <clears throat> superhero movies have really hit a like an impasse here. Right. You know, uh-huh. like there, there's this there's this I mean, and not even like creatively, although creatively, but like people aren't like you know, the MCU was kind of done. <laughs> you yeah. know, people are not like flocking to these movies. You know, they saw Avengers in game and it's like, okay, we're now kind of, they will, they will come out for specific properties if they are, you know, like Spider-Man will still make money, but it's hard to imagine that this is going to be the juggernaut that it was for the last, you know, 10, 15 years or so. Right. Um, and I think that like you could, you could bring back, you know, like something like a hundred rifles, which is not a good movie, but has so many good elements to it mm-hmm. that like, it's not hard to imagine like bringing back those kinds of movies with like a reasonable budget. Like you don't have to spend $300 million on them, but you know, bring back like that sort of thing with a kind of more modern, you know, sensibility, you could remake a hundred rifles and it would be, you could make a very good movie out of that. You know, um, Hanny Calder kind of a product of its time. I think, you know, I think it would be more difficult to remake this in 2023, but you know, um, it could be, it could be done. And, and I just think that like there, there is this kind of concept, Concept that the western is done that it's like your your, your grandpa's you know yeah uh you know genre at this point but i think that there is a there i i would love to see kind of like more kind of re-examinations of some of this and not necessarily in the kind of um uh, you know like the the hyper revisionist westerns but like as you know kind of fun romps and you know kind of like the, the big popcorn movies i think i think there is a place for that again you know and uh yeah. you know i would i would like to see that you know yeah, I don't. I don't think you could do Hanny Calder at this point as like with the comedy elements in it. Like you kind of gotta strip those out. I feel, but yeah, you you could get into it. It, it, it. The problem is, and and I do find this with some westerns that come out these days is like they get a little too dark and a little too serious. Yeah. Where it's like I don't want to watch this, but. Well, it but, becomes uh, like like a like a torture porn almost. Yes, you know, and it, is, yeah. it becomes that. But I think I think there is a place for. I mean, I would just like to see more westerns made. Like that, westerns might be a like, a return to that. Might be a way kind of forward from, you know, this kind of big blockbuster. You know, three hundred yeah, dollar sci fi thing. You know, you can do you can do a gritty modern western that you know is still has a little bit of a light undertone to yeah, it, where it's well, it's not like, too. Like, the Mandalorian is kind of a Western. Yeah, like that's yeah. kind of the point of it. You know, um, it's a Western in space. Why don't we do like the not in space part? <laughs> you know, exactly, like, exactly. Exactly. Or, you know, three ten to Yuma remake, perfectly yeah. good remake. You know, you can go off that kind of lane. I know that's a, that's a few that's years like back now. Years at this point. now. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, but like still contemporary cinema, the three ten to Yuma remake. At least, at least <laughs> I didn't say unforgiven, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> That really dates me at this point, but you know, that, yeah, that's it for this uh, episode. Um, next episode is going to be uh, crazy. Uh, I'm, fu- I'm, I'm already, I'm too drunk. Dirty Mary, crazy Larry. Is that the right title? 
I think it's Crazy Larry, Dirty Mary. Okay, the other way around. Maybe I fuck. But that that is the next planned episode. It is. You were right. It's Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry. So okay, there you go. There yeah. you go. How dare you question me? Um, <laughs> I, no, I questioned myself. I'm talking yeah. to myself at this point. Um, but but that's that's one we talked about doing like a long time ago. Yeah. No. No. Definitely. No, yeah. That's that's a good movie. I like that one. So yeah. And you sure. you said you want to be on it. So I mean, you know, if you are available next weekend, we that's will. Always we'll the, do it. That's always the challenge is me being mm-hmm. available for it. But um, um yeah, yeah uh, Lady Lee might be back by that point. Uh, she's been gone. For for a while doing her schoolwork, but she's almost done that and she's passing with honors and she's doing really good. So she's going to hear. be, yeah. Good to hear. And uh, we're definitely going to have a uh, guest uh, on that episode as well. So um, cool. Should be fun. Should be fun. Daniel, you have a bunch of podcasting stuff you do, Patreon stuff you do. Fucking pimp all that crap, man. Sure. Well, right now I haven't been able to record a uh, episode for a while, but um, I do a podcast in which I track the worst people in the English-speaking world. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And uh, it's called I Don't Speak German. Um, I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Daniel Harper. If you want to give me a buck a month, then you will get occasional bonus episodes. And we promise to uh, get back on that. And I think I'm going to try to do some writing and stuff. I've had, um, we've had a hard time like scheduling recordings versus mm-hmm. for, um, you know, for, for very good per- personal reasons, but this uh, recording space is not as available as it used to be um, for complicated reasons, but uh, I'm working on working on that. But uh, when, when I can get to record more reliably <laughs> um, with him, we will definitely kind of pick back up production on that. Um, but um, yeah, no, please go check me out. I'm also on Twitter at Daniel Lee Harper. If you want to go visit the Elon Musk's uh, bird site still, which, you know, <laughs> I've been cutting back considerably on my Twitter for the last couple of months, but you know, uh, I'm also there. So you can go find me if you want to follow me, talk about stuff there. Yeah. Uh, and of course you can find us at tmbdos.podbean.com where you can find all of our episodes <coughs> go to the Facebook group they must be destroyed on site and Facebook that's the best way you can get in contact with us and you know suggest movies for us to watch and you know just give us general feedback and like let us know how we're fucking doing you, you gotta really like fucking pull at people's fingernails again to like leave you comments saying hey I like this episode like <laughs> yeah. it's it's fucking crazy man like people just they listen to you like you know you this this podcast gets like between you know over you know an episode gets released in over like a month of it sitting there on the podbean site gets from like you know initial 60 listeners to upwards of 100 sure but then no one says anything (laughs) they just listen and they never say anything and it's 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 like pulling teeth, pulling nails to try to get someone to just like, hey, leave a comment. You know, we want to hear what you have to say about the fucking episode, what about the fucking movie and what we thought about it. But, you know, what can you do? It's it's a thankless job. And it's not yeah, even a well, job because we're not getting paid for it. We're not getting paid for it. So, you know, we're just hanging out and drinking and talking about old Westerns. That's all. Yeah. We do. Uh, but we do appreciate you guys all listening, and it's always good to have you back when we can get you, Daniel. No, I always and, love to come, come back. Yep. Yeah, and so we will be back uh, next week. So until then, bye-bye, guys. Cheers.
until you find a way to stop it being a battle. So once it gets peaceful. Listening to TMB DOS. They must be destroyed on site. For further episodes of this podcast, please go to tmbdos.podbean.com. We're also on Apple Podcasts and pretty much any podcatcher that you can find. Thank you. Drive through.